Lally Ho, and welcome to another episode of Charlie and Dropouts, a good Final Fantasy XIV podcast for bad academics. And I've returned from the pits of hell to be your host this week, Archon Victor Hunter. And uh, look, I Mike has gone off to Japan and kidnapped Nadia or something, so uh, unfortunately they're not around today. But to make up for that, and then some, we have a very special guest. <laughs> you may know her from her retro console modding and repair business, Sound Retro. You may know her for her work capturing pristine footage for action button reviews that, unlike a lot of YouTube footage, is in the correct aspect ratio. You may know her as the musical artist behind the fantastic Sega tribute album and a personal favorite of mine, Welcome to the Fantasy Zone. Or you may know her as one of the maybe eight people on the internet with good taste in video games. Please welcome special guest and honorary archon, Krista Lee. How the hell are you, Krista? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a, a very uh, momentous introduction. I appreciate it. Hey, you've, you've got a lot of... You got a lot of credits to your name. You got a lot of you lot got a lot of cool stuff under your belt. So I I got to make sure I do that justice. Oh, uh, thank I'm, you. I'm I'm very happy to have you on because we are are talking about uh, a topic that I don't think there are too many people out there, even within our niche spheres, who really care to talk about this topic all that yeah. much <laughs> um we yeah it gets sidelined a lot yeah it sure does in fact um i i do want to bring something up in a second our episode today we we are talking about final fantasy 2 and the the impact that it has had on 14 and the rest of the series um it's uh like i say a game not many people seem to care to talk about. In fact, I've just a, a quick cursory Google search I, I did in about 10 minutes yesterday was I, I just real quickly searched various uh, ranked lists of, of mainline Final Fantasy games. And, and here's just what I got from the first mm, two pages of Google results. These are, these are all of the outlets who have a, a ranked mainline Final Fantasy entry list or, or a, a top 10 list. And these are, these are all of the outlets that have Final Fantasy 2 uh, at the bottom or in the case of, of top 10 lists, it has been excluded entirely. Here's just a short... Just a short list after mm. cursory search. GameSpot, Game Informer, Kotaku, Destructoid, Nintendo Life, Comic Book Resources, Sports Illustrated, RPG Fan, IGN, Dual Shockers, Watch Mojo, The Escapist, Collider, USA Today, NPR, Den of Geek, Rock Paper Shotgun, Games Radar, Game Rant, Glitched, VG247, Final Fantasy Insider, Digital Spy, Dreamcast Guy, Backlog Battle, Gaming Bolt, The Gaming Shelf, Rabid Luigi, The Night Sky Prince, literally one million other YouTubers, and the most painful one of all, is writing for Polygon.com. 
was our dear friend Jeremy Parrish. Oh, man. Jeremy. What a betrayal. I know. That hurts. <laughs> to I'm be fair, there. he placed it above Final Fantasy XIV, but he was only... Okay only referring to 1.0 and didn't make any mention of of ARR. Oh, I like 1.0. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a game that has been been sidelined by the mainstream media. Um sort of it, it is it is the the blackest of sheep as far as the Final Fantasy mainline franchise is concerned and I'd like to, over the next little bit, let's talk about why that is and why maybe that's a bit of a misconception. And and we're going to talk about, you know, just how much actual influence this game had on the series, because I think people yeah. underestimate it quite a bit. Yeah, so, I, um, I think so, too. And I will say, as a diehard fan of the, the other Blackest of Sheep, um, I appreciate uh, two occupying the bottom spot, if only so that 11 does not but um <laughs> I, I will say in that research the other game that uh -huh. was <laughs> swapping spots in the bottom place was final yeah. fantasy 11 and i was heartbroken i yeah. here i'm this is this is only going to work on camera so apologize apologies to the uh to the uh, uh listening audience but i've i've worn uh, I wore my oh wow! I wore my Strider boot socks for the special occasion. Oh man, that's uh, awesome! That's that's for you. Thank you, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun being on a Final Fantasy fourteen podcast because I, uh, <laughs> being completely truthful, I don't I don't care for it. Well, I, it's yeah. not. It's complicated, but sure, um, sure. But yeah, I'm I'm ride or die for eleven. So so this is novel yeah. for me. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I do want to explain, look, the, we are going month by month. Um, every, every month we are covering in, in sequential order, another mainline final fantasy game mm -hmm. and, and discussing it and, and its influence on 14. Um, and, and I, I knew, I knew despite, despite some, some harsh criticisms you've had for 14, I knew I had to have you on for this episode. Oh yeah, because, uh, absolutely. No, I mean, I'm going to be playing 14 this year, uh, cause they're, they're doing the, um, the Vanna deal. Oh raids, yeah. And I can't, I can't pass up the opportunity to see the shadow Lord in 4k. So I I'm going to have very, to catch up. Very excited. Uh, I, there, there's a possibility I will probably be reaching out to you, uh, again in, <laughs> November to discuss <laughs> to discuss <laughs> FF11. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, first of all, uh, I, I would love to know uh, a little bit about your history with the series in general. Um, what what is your what is your Final Fantasy background? Yeah. Um, so when I was growing up, I was born in '92, so I got my PlayStation in '97, um, and just for the you know, youngest part of my life, I didn't really play JRPGs or RPGs mm -hmm. at all. Um, Pokemon, but that, you know, Pokemon's kind of in its own. Sure. Kind of its own category that's, that's for when you're a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the DS Lite came out with uh, Final Fantasy 3, that was actually the first one that I played. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and... So that was sort of my gateway into the series, and it might explain a lot. But um, 
yeah, I played three and then I had a lot of friends who were into 11. And so right. I moved from three into 11 on the Xbox 360. I played 11 with friends and it was kind of a social space. And yeah. this was right as 13 was coming out. So I played uh, 13 and uh, 100%ed it, which if anybody's <laughs> ever done that, it takes about 130 hours of farming a lot, the same A lot enemy. of farming materials to upgrade weapons. And yeah. <laughs> it was so bad, I actually stopped playing video games for a few years because it was just kind of miserable, but I did it. Yeah. Um, and then after that, when I got back into video games, I sort of really, it was like, okay, well, JRPGs are really interesting, so let me you know, kind of look around and what I'm, what I'm interested in. And I, I didn't first drift to final fantasy. I, I really like Shin Megami Tensei. Mm -hmm. I really like dragon quest. Um, I think the, the sort of influence of seven loomed large. And so it took me a while to like, get back to like, Oh, final fantasy is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as it stands now, I would, I would say that I pretty much all of them barring maybe the last, two or three i like 16 for some things but mm -hmm. last two or three all of them barring those i like think are really interesting um you know i love eight 12 is probably my favorite um sure five i love five five might actually yeah. be my favorite but um yeah so i i i sort of drifted back that way and coming to final fantasy post shin megami tensei and dragon quest i think two Two is really interesting because it has such a sort of um, like a post Portopia vibe to it. It feels yeah. very much like a Pasacon game, yep. like the way totally. that you're doing the keywords and the different world interactions <laughs> sort of elaborating on one. Yeah. If the JRPG is like, if it's theater, you know, I think you go to four. Final Fantasy four is really where that just kind of really blossoms. And if it's an adventure totally. game, I think two is where two is where you hit it. Um, Absolutely. It, it feels like it feels like they Square was reaching back into their own history a little bit and and bringing back some of that adventure game uh, uh, PC feel. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and I think maybe maybe just because some of that stuff wasn't in the vocabulary for 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 Western players. Yeah that they it just doesn't doesn't quite hit the same i i wonder if if an ff2 came out now how it would be received because we kind of have that we have yeah. we have a little bit more of an understanding of that lineage of japanese adventure games and their the, the all of the the cross pollination between between rpgs and what mm -hmm. jrpgs are when people refer to jrpgs you know right yeah i wonder I, I mean, I guess Persona kind of fills that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, so uh, specifically, um, you were you were saying that you got into Eleven during the the three sixty era. So mm -hmm. that um, that would have been like two thousand six, two thousand eight. The the height of sort of Chains of Promethea, yeah, yeah. content and, and stuff like that. Yeah, really, well, kind of peak Eleven. Yeah, people, well, yeah. What was? Tell me a little bit about what that was like because I, I'm. Uh, I, I've talked on the show a little bit before how I was a Nintendo kid, but loved Final Fantasy. Just never got to play any of it except Final mm. Fantasy Adventure on my Game Boy. Oh, nice. uh, so when Eleven was announced and it was coming to computers, and I had a computer, 
it felt like I was finally going to get a, a mainline Final Fantasy mm-hmm. that that I could play. Um, and then it didn't run on my computer. Oh, man. Uh, and I was too young to know how to make that different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would just log in to play online and, and play some Tetra Master. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't until uh, lockdown in, in 2020 that I realized, wait, I, I have the means, I, mm-hmm. I have the, I have the wherewithal, I have the brains to make this happen. And, uh, and I, and I started playing. So tell me oh, a little wow. bit about what, what your, your personal experience with 11 was like in that, like, like you say, what, what a lot of people refer to as the peak 11 era. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I played on the Xbox 360. I had, you know, I, sort of a weird family background. I didn't have a lot of friends or like uh, social connections in school, sure. but I did have a lot of friends over Xbox Live. We had like a little friend group. Um, uh, all using your chat pads yeah, attached yeah, exactly. to your 360 controllers. Absolutely. Yeah, Bought like four of those uh, headset microphones because they kept they kept breaking. <laughs> they were awful. <laughs> They're terrible, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, f- on on some axis, eleven was you know primarily just kind of a social gathering place. Um, the the way for those who maybe have played eleven now but didn't play back then, um, in modern day eleven and modern day retail, they've really truncated the um, the leveling curve. They've massively reduced how much time and how much effort it takes to get a level. A level could take like up to you know five hours depending on where you are, maybe more. I didn't, I didn't reach like 80 back then, but like it could take a long time of basically everybody gathering together in a party level syncing. And then, you know, you'd had a tank, you had a DPS, you had, um, somebody who would, you know, heal, you had all these different little group dynamics. And there were just these little spots in the environment where people would gather and, and farm for EXP and they would share it as a group. And so like, Valkern Dunes is a really famous one. Dunes was kind of like a rite of passage for people of like, let's all go to Dunes and we'll just party up and hang out and just like, you know, kill the same three to six enemies in a row. And like, that sounds kind of tedious and, and, uh, kind of like a time waster. But if you, if you reconfigure your thinking into like an MMO as like a kind of a watering hole as like a social gathering place where you're all just kind of there's just an excuse for you to hang out in a chat room basically it's like you know like habitat or something or uh a mud you know it's almost mud-esque in the way that you're sort of just like filtering social interactions through this excuse this like game system as excuse yeah and so much of what i love about 11 is that it's it's you know these environments that are so large and so detail rich Mm -hmm. it's it's like almost morrowind I think of and, it in terms of Morrowind, or you're just like living in this space. Vanadil feels like such a world. Yeah, and and the fact that that so little of Eleven is instanced, like mm-hmm. everything is just connected. If you go into a dungeon, you will run into the other people who are in that dungeon. Yeah. Um, uh, as opposed to 14's design, which has its its overworld, and then the the actual dungeon and a lot of the gameplay experiences feel segregated and, right and, and a little that's, a little off yeah. yeah that's a lot of my a lot of my complaint with it is that you sure. kind of go into halo matchmaking to do the right the raids right. content right 
Yeah. Um, whereas 11, yeah, it's like you can, if you're, if I'm in a dungeon and I'm having trouble, I might run into somebody yeah. else who can help me get through this one obstacle. And there's like a magic in that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so what, how, how much 14 have you played or, or experienced or, 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 well, that's actually, that's actually another interesting story. So, yeah. you know, I was playing 11 from, 2006 2007 until i went off to college i went off to college and that was sort of the like i had 100 at ff13 and that was miserable <laughs> i went to college so i didn't have as much spare time and so i just kind of dropped off playing video games regularly but right. there was a new final fantasy mmo yeah. and it was free uh at the time yeah it um, sure was it was super free and so i got it and my college dorm actually they didn't um they didn't let you uh, use peer-to-peer -peer traffic, which is how Final Fantasy XIV updated. Ah. Uh, it uses peer-to-peer. -peer. So I had to like find uploads of the update files and then like, you know, jam them in there. Wow. But wow. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought yeah. 1.0, I, I, it was content. It was not content rich. It mm. lacks a lot in terms of the doing. Mm -hmm. But like, it felt like Final Fantasy XI too, in a lot of ways. The way that you know, the there was like a menu interface where you could like click on a piece of clothing and then drag it onto the head. Yeah, and then you would wear the hat, and it was just like the, in in so much as eleven is like a world full of texture and like things that feel it reasonably real, or like you can like understand them as sort of simulacrum. 14 felt like an attempt to take that just a step further. Um, but in terms of like, you know, you, you ran out of, you ran out of things to do pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's definitely, it, it definitely had a lot of things that needed that needed fixing. Um, but so I, I got kind of tired of it after a while. Cause again, there's not much to do and then stopped playing, did not jump on when ARR came out. And then a couple of years ago, I think this was after in uh, Shadowbringers. My my wife and I were were separate. Uh, on it, she was in Toronto and I was here in Seattle, and so we would play fourteen together. Again, sort of as a, a you know kind of a bonding like a gathering uh, way to hang out, right? And so um, we got through. We did all of ARR. We did. I, I'm pretty sure we stopped at the end of, um, what's the first one called? Heavensward. Uh, Heavensward. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we stopped. Yeah. And so at some point this year, I've got to get from the end of Heavensward to, uh, the new one or buy my way there. Um, well, um, yeah, uh, look, I, I will say I, I have some of the same issues with 14 that you do. I think, I think it is full of, of shortcuts that mm -hmm. make the world feel less uh rich less mm -hmm. less diegetic less lived in less friendly to the role playing of it all um i think uh i i think that somewhere out there there is a perfect balance of of what i love about 11 with what i love about 14 and and I, it's there. There's a there's a world where 1.0 could have evolved into that. Right. Right. Um, 
but uh, I I am I'm genuinely excited to to hear how your experience getting caught up goes. Um, yeah, I I will say that the the MSQ isn't going to win you over uh, in, in its in its gameplay loop if if you if you haven't been already. So yeah, I understand that, but um, I there is some side stuff that. I think you would probably find very compelling. Um, uh, I don't know if you know much about the Eureka or the, yeah. the Save the Queen quest lines. Eureka is the one thing where even before they announced these Vanadil raids, I was like, okay, well, I've got to try Eureka just because it yeah. sounds like they've sort of recreated a kind of 11 atmosphere Yeah, it's there. like a, a fun little 11 microcosm mm. uh, that... that they they take away the the party finder. Everything has to be done through shout chat and communicating with, oh, with the other players in the map. Um, oh, the maps great. are pretty big, but not obviously not as big as eleven maps because mm -hmm. trying to do that with the fidelity of a fourteen zone is is sort of right an, yeah. an impossibility. Um, but I I think they are I think they're very very good. Um, and and really really strike that balance in an interesting way, and then yeah. the uh, Bosia and the Save the Queen stuff. Uh, if people are listening to this, they're tired save, of hearing me sing the praises save of Save the Queen's the Matsuno stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, on some level, I mean, my you know my gripes aside, I even if you do have to match make into it, I know the raids are the part that people really like, and sure. I, like I know that yeah. they like them for a reason. Like I'm. Yeah. I am getting back just for the raids. Like, so I am yeah. curious what they're doing in those as you get further on. Yeah. Um, Cause I was reaching the point where they were starting to feel like really finely tuned little slices of content. Yes. Um, yes. Right before I stopped. So I'm, I'm curious as you get on how, how more, how much more compelling yeah. they got. Yeah. I, I, I would be very curious to see whether, whether the Ivalice raids themselves are, are, uh, compelling to you or sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they was like a thing where he got like fired, right? Cuz or like they did they, they cut it off early. It, yeah, he he is still uh he's still I believe he's still working on the 14 team. Like he still does really? stuff. Yeah. Um cuz he it, it was just sort of more of a thing of like, well, this this kind of content wasn't as well received as we were hoping it would be. Mm. So we just kind of have to cut it off at the next entry. And I he see. said, yeah, sure. He, he tweeted a while ago that um, he, he does want to finish off the story that he had had set in motion and whether that happens with more of these large scale expeditionary zones or another kind of content mm -hmm. or he even said he'd just make a, a doujin work sure, and, sure. and write the rest of the story so that people get to experience <laughs> it but huh it's it's good stuff and and it's very good at um at weaving in elements of 12 and tactics and the evil east games but mm -hmm. making them feel like they are all still part of the the cause and effect of the 14 world. They still right. obey the rules set out by 14, but are, are really good adaptations huh. of, of those characters and stories. And um, yeah, who knows? Cool. We, they, they have also announced that Beastmaster is, is an upcoming class and mm. 
our all of our Beastmaster um, uh, points of contact do come from Matsuno's stuff in 14 right. like that's that's all part of stuff that he has written so who huh. knows if that might be an extension of, of some of those storylines but yeah i mean an ff14 where they're doing final fantasy 11 raids and matsuno content <laughs> is an ff14 that i would subscribe to so yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty good I, I i the the more they announce of dawn trail the more i'm thinking that it does it does sound like it was made for me in a lot of ways that's um, exciting but uh, yeah, and then back on topic. What's your history sure. with FF two? FF two. Well, you know, I like I've said at the top. I I love eleven, and eleven is sort of a black sheep. And yeah. you know, so when I was sort of getting acquainted with Final Fantasy more than like, oh yeah, Cloud Strife. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like fifteen very much. You know, that was kind of it. Um, mm. Trying to get beyond that. And it was like, well, I love the one game that people don't like. <laughs> yeah. um, and at the time, I wasn't like the biggest fan of Seven. So I was like, well, if if I don't like the one people love and I, I do like the one people don't love, I guess I should just go down the line and just play <laughs> the ones that people don't like. Yeah. And, you know, I love Eight, uh, 12. I love it. Um, yeah. And Two, I think, you know, and I started with Three, too. So there was a bit of a like... Yeah, I already was kind of tuned for this kind of archaic, early, very, very numbers driven, very yeah. light on narrative material game. Uh, I wanted uh, to say that that's something we we sort of have in common is that um, FF3, I think, was the first Final Fantasy I beat. Really? Um, the the, and, and the it, DS Lite one? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I loved it. I love that opening movie. Uh, I yeah, think it's yeah. I think it's beautiful. Uh I I'm a little devastated that they they refuse to acknowledge Lunith and and those characters and, yeah. and instead always always put the Onion Knight at as the the representative of three, but um, That's such a yeah shame. no I, I I really really had a good time with FF three and that was again one that the DS version didn't review great uh, people didn't really care for it and then it happens to be yoshi one of yoshi p's favorites so yeah. it gets it gets some real spotlight in 14 and all of a sudden it sort of gets a a reassessment and a a bit of recognition for for what it brings but well, i'm glad people are sort of coming back to it i think i think it's a really interesting game yeah i think yeah. we'll probably get into it but as much as final fantasy is star wars or channeling star wars i liked that 3 kind of stepped back from it a little bit even though yeah. two is like full on right <laughs> full on star wars yeah <laughs> uh but you you were saying about uh, about your your ff2 oh yeah i just um you know like i i i played it um i played it first on the the psp a little bit and then i was like yeah you know i the, the the higher the higher fidelity presentation i don't know so i i played a little bit of it on the famicom and just generally i came around came came to the conclusion that like i i haven't i haven't spent a ton of time with saga but the ways in which it facilitates um like player expression through battle through um discrete like decision making yeah. you know people talk about punching your allies to make to get stronger but like that is interesting as like sort of a trying to lay down what what are the boundaries of like expression here? Is it just kill goblins 
and watch movies? Or is it like, is there actually something you can do here where yeah. you're able to build a character in sort of your image and what you think that is? And like also sort of abstracting out the con combat because there's not actually a world where like you would punch your allies in the middle of a fight with a goblin. Yeah. Right. It start. it just, it, it lays bare the artifice of the JRPG combat structure and it becomes like, well, this, this is just nothing. Like this is just an excuse for numbers. So why don't yeah. we just let it be an excuse for numbers? Yeah. All those things really, you know, really resonated with me. Um, and I think, you know, I, a lot of them were better done in three and in five, but I, I really, I think that two gets a really bad rap, um, for, uh, it introduces a lot of cool concepts. It does them well. It's the first one to have like a real story. I, well, I think one's lack of a story is overstated, but sure, it yeah. has a real meaty story. It has like, you know, things happen, characters it, die. It, and it conflicts. has drama. Right. Yeah. 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 It introduces drama into a series that is known for its drama. Yeah. You know? Uh, 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 in inter uh, like character relationships, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the game that brings death to the forefront and, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and makes those deaths narratively meaningful and, and uses them in, in theatrical and, 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 you know, ways that are, are narratively interesting. Um, yeah, absolutely. and I, I, I also want to say that I, I also, I, I think it's so reductive when people, you know, like you say, bring up the, the, oh, well, you just attack you and your allies until you all have a ton of HP or whatever. And, and it, it really, it really emphasizes the, like, you control the buttons you press, you know, right. <laughs> like, you, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Or you can let it happen organically and see where your choices take your character's progression and, right. and then how you work with what you have given yourself. Because um, like, uh, I, I also am a big fan of, of when a game's systems can be broken. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's... Um, you know, people will say, oh, there, there's so much materia that is broken or there are so many jobs in five that are broken or or eight. You can break over your knee in, in a bajillion ways. Yeah. But but for whatever reason, two gets this this rap that that, oh, because it's it's systems uh, uh, seem a little unintuitive or not even unintuitive because there is an intuitiveness to the way that those stats yeah, grow. They do, absolutely. they do make sense in world. Um, but yeah, for, for some reason it's, it's looked at as this weird anomaly when actually the beauty of a lot of final fantasy games is how you can break them and yeah. how you can really dig into systems. So, yeah, I mean, I, five, isn't as I think heralded over here, but in Japan five is, you know, beloved specifically for yeah. this, that you can sort of create your own guys and your guys yeah. are your, like you can do all these different little like interactions to build up, you know, this, this job with that job with this move, with that move. Totally. I think, I think there's a tendency to sort of invent a game in your head and then yeah. sort of criticize the game in front of you for not being the game in your head. Oh yeah. And I think to, I think two bears the brunt of this in that you can imagine, and it's called Final Fantasy IV, 
a Final Fantasy 2 that is a little tighter and a little cleaner and just does the drama and just lets you move on and get on with it. Yeah. But, you know, Final Fantasy 2 is doing a lot of other stuff that's really interesting. Like you said, it it layers like it gives you a lot of tools to do a lot of things with very few inputs. There's not a whole lot of actual actions you can take, but they they sort of snowball into really interesting conclusions. Yeah. And and sometimes those conclusions are you really don't have the stats to be up against yeah. a thing you are up against and you need to rethink your approach or, you know, it's... Talk about yeah. Matsuno. That's the thing that, you know, Vagrant Story yeah. is the same way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I... I Look, we've we've talked a bunch already, but I, I gotta get some I gotta get some basics out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy II was released in 1988 on the Famicom, directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi. Uh, designers were Hiromichi Tanaka, Akitoshi Kawazu, and Koichi Ishii. Now, Tanaka and Ishii, oh, those are the eleven guys. Yeah. I mean, we that's a that's just a direct through line. Um. Uh, programmed by Nasir Gabelli, uh, who is the 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 star programmer for Square in in the late '80s and NES and into the Super NES era, um, uh, it's uh, sort of a, a pretty well known story that uh, Gabelli's visa expired while he was working on ff2 and had to go back to sacramento so he proposed that uh that why why doesn't the whole team just come to california which they did um they they rented out three apartments brought all their computers and gear over and and finished off ff2 in that's why sacramento which didn't release it over here yeah, it didn't even come out over here. It w- and it, it predates the, you know, the 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 real like international collaborative games that that Square started pursuing in the late 90s with, you know, yeah. Parasite Eve and even FF9 had a lot of international talent, but yeah, it was a uh, Did it really? Pretty, I didn't funny. know that about 9. Yeah, yeah, huh. it um the when they were opening lot. up the Hawaii studio, a lot of a lot of French artists. Oh, related to the um, the spirits within stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Huh. So I, I think Sakaguchi was really he was really going for uh for an, an an internationality in in Final Fantasy that I don't think you know once he left I don't think that ever really got to be realized. Um, yeah. No. And, and well, and and you see that in Eleven his. Uh, the the auto translate function that he was uh, determined to have yeah. the, the fact that that players from all around the world still played on the same servers, which is again sort of an issue I have with fourteen that that everything is sort of walled off geographically. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's Eleven's main theme being in Esperanto. Like you know, there's there's a real sense of uh, Eleven was so much about realizing Sakaguchi's desire to really have an international community and, and, and a game series that was, was, you know, fueled with that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what else do we have here? Looking at my notes, looking at my notes. (laughs) Well, Kawazu, I mean, the Kawazu connection, I think is what people usually hone in on. Yes. 
yes, of course. I passed by that completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kawazu, uh, known probably more now for the Saga series, which which really takes a lot of these mechanics and or or philosophies behind these mechanics mm-hmm. and just expands on them and reinvents them and uh, uh, saga games I think are are very much about being a little more opaque to the player than than a Final Fantasy is. Um, he likes to hide systems he likes to add more elements of randomness to the way things develop um you you were saying uh i'm similar and that i don't have as much experience with the saga games as i would like but but do you have do you have favorites that you've dipped into or or ones that really you know resonate with you as far as kawazu-ness goes I've been sort of, it's like the one thing looming on the horizon, like I need to get into these. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to be playing Emerald Beyond when it comes out. Um, but, yeah. you know, I've tried Scarlet Grace. I thought it was cool. I've yeah. tried uh, uh, Romancing Saga, Minstrel Song. thought it was awesome. Yeah. It's just haven't, haven't had the time. I, saga Frontier looks specifically really interesting, though I yeah. know... I, I think I get the feeling there's sort of a split between um, a saga game that sort of um, Sunless Sea style, Sunless Sea, is that what it's called? The game, like 88 Days or something, where it's like kind of uh, 80 Days, where, where it's sort of procedurally building out a narrative yeah. that you're sort of, that that's kind of justifying the things you're doing and the things you do sort of inform what happens in the world in yeah. like a direct in a direct sense. And then I think Saga Frontier seems more of like a, there's a bespoke narrative here that you're filling out by doing uh, JRPG things. Yeah. Though um, I'm sure someone's going to, someone's going to scream at, at the podcast for this, but I, I, I do believe Frontier does, does get a little weird with its oh, endings it? and, and, and oh, those, those sort of unfold in, in some interesting ways. But yeah, huh. I, I I also like the ones where if your character dies, you are now playing as his son or whatever, right. and yeah, and take another stab at it. But keep in mind that it's you know twenty years later or whatever, and and yeah, yeah there's such a turn uh, a tabletop quality to them totally. that I don't think a lot of other uh, other like prototypical JRPGs really capture in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um. We, we we've talked we've talked a bit about about why we like ff2 or, or think it's unique um but i i do want to uh i really want to get into some of the things that it just introduces that are standard in final fantasy now because it it does bring a lot of that to the table um uh dragoons are here for the first time. Oh yeah, Rickard Highwind is is our very first dragoon in the series, um, huh. and even though this isn't one of the games where you are picking job classes or anything, um, it is still. It, I think it's interesting that it still sort of assigns classes to certain characters. Yeah, um, uh, in, including the Dark Knight Leon, which is was a, a character that you goes back and forth. Uh, between your your party and and the opposing side, yeah, um, huh, it's interesting. Our, 
it's our first SID. Uh, yeah, though yeah. All re-releases of FF1 have sort of retroactively introduced a SID into the mix, whether it's the the Dawn of Souls version or it's Dissidia or Stranger of Paradise. They all they all find ways to to make a SID a part of FF1. Um, also, I. I didn't realize this until I was looking through. Uh, I, I I highly recommend the uh, Final Fantasy Anniversary uh, Ultimania archives that that Dark Horse localized. Oh yeah, a, a yeah. while ago because they have get they get into some granular stuff where they show you know the sprite sheets and they show the layout and the the programming oh, and man. and just like the code they used to determine. Uh, colors for backgrounds and things. It, it gets it gets very awesome. very cool. I, I I like them a lot. I, I'd huh. recommend them to to just about anybody. Um, but this is also our first explicitly female party member. Um, really? Yeah. One I mean, it's it's the second game, and and we've already got a female lead. Um, and because you know FF one, you you are sort of you're bringing yourself. To, to that game a little yeah. bit. So you, you do sort of get to determine the, the personalities of these characters. But even, even that white mage, once, once, they, uh, once they get their class change, they're looking pretty masculine. They're, yeah. they're going for a, a, a sort of masculine look there. So yeah, um, huh. uh, Maria is, is our, first, our first named female Final Fantasy character. Wild. That's awesome. I yeah, I I would have assumed at some point there was a line of dialogue in one about that's wild. Yeah, I mean there's Princess Sarah in in yeah, one, yeah. but and and I think ah, oh, I want to say I even have the I have the the novella uh of of FF1 and and I believe they do sort of canonically make one of the warriors of light in FF1 female, but hmm. uh I yeah, I know in Strange of Paradise they they do. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's you know, not even the same team. So that, that's not even the same whole, company. So. That's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how could I forget the most important thing it brought to the table is the Toad status, uh, which I think has been has been fully realized in in the Final Fantasy VII remake series. It's as, tremendous, yeah. As the the status effect we've always wanted. Uh, God, a little cloud fun. sword, it's so good. <laughs> uh, you you brought up how it's also the first chocobo, right? Uh, oh, is it? How yeah, did I, I miss so. that? I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's right. the first chocobo. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um. You brought up how Star Wars FF2 is. And I think I think what I what I like about FF2 as it sets the tone for the stories of the rest of the series is so you have FF1, Dragon Quest 1, 2 and 3 are out by now. Um, Zelda 2 has also just come out. And as far as comparing it to its RPG adventure contemporaries at the time, it really, I like that it really does away with, you know, chosen ones or 
uh, uh, bloodlines or right. or any sort of predestiny like that. I think Firion as a main character is just a guy. Yeah, he just kind of happens into it. Yeah, and and it is a story of rebellion against an evil empire. But even then, that's a little different than than most of the other RPGs at the time. A lot of it was. You are working for the king and you go slay a dragon or slay a, a demon lord or, you know, yeah, there, there's yeah. an evil approaching. Whereas this is the, 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 the guys on top are the evil ones. Take them down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think you could, I mean, again, I think a lot of this is Matsuno because Matsuno loves Star Wars mm -hmm. more than anybody on earth. Um, mm -hmm. But so much of Final Fantasy is always there is a charismatic bad guy. A group of ragtag individuals have to band together despite their differences to stop them. Yeah. That bad guy contains or has immense power just as a matter of consequence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I think the ways that I mean the ways that two does that are so obviously directly Star Wars. They yeah. are just so obviously like, yeah, Furion just kind of Luke Skywalker's his way into this scenario. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, tragic deaths and there's heartbreak and there's, you know, little victories and you meet up with the rebels and all this. And it, it feels, it does feel very uniquely narrative driven for a Famicom game. I think we yeah. forget how, like, for as much as two is accused of being threadbare, so many of those games are threadbare. Oh, for sure. Dragon Quest, I, I think Dragon Quest's approach to narrative is one of my favorites in video games generally, but Dragon mm. Quest is a game where NPCs have dialogue and that is the texture of the world and that's what's interesting, right? Yeah. It's not it's not about sort of scene action, go here, scene action, right? It's not that's not sort of what is driving Dragon Quest this early. And yeah. two does it just does such a good job of really investing you in the space and the the dynamics of it and the power differentials and all that it's yeah, yeah i think it's fascinating and and part of that speaking of talking to npcs and and bringing this back to to the the adventure games of the time <laughs> we've got our keyword system tell really? me a little bit about this and and how much you love it yeah, because I love it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the coolest thing. So like uh, to those who don't know, there's, um, you know, you go you go to the first town, first or second town, first town, I think. And you go to where the rebels are. And one of the rebels tells you, remember the keyword wild rose. Mm. And now you have acquired a keyword and in the menu, much like in Dragon Quest, you could open a menu to open door or open chest or talk to person. And they're all sort of bespoke actions. Now you can just say wild rose to anyone. And most of them don't, you know, most of them don't respond, but it is a sort of key and lock system where you now have to find the person who needs to receive the word wild rose. And so instead of just go to a place and defeat a boss, you're now, it's now a social interaction. Now find the person yeah. who wants to hear that. Um, I forget how many keywords there are in total, probably like what, like 10 or so. I, yeah. I think there's at least a dozen or so. Mm. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's like yeah. a really interesting, it's a really interesting attempt at the kind of thing that Final Fantasy would later do where you're sort of really prioritizing 
character interactions and sort of uh, this person grows alongside this person and sort of has a different relationship to this person. They're trying to sort of simulate that mm-hmm. in microcosm. And it, it, it does a good job of, again, sort of making Furion feel like somebody who's getting kind of pulled into this and sort of like he's learning the, the lingo and the, you know, the dynamics of the space and you're learning them and how the words slot into the situations. It's, it's really awesome. Yeah. They should bring it back. Um, I, I, I can't think off the top of my head, but do, do you, do you have any examples of like Japanese adventure games that, that do use this system explicitly? Mm. Like there's, you know, that there are always your, your choices of actions, but, but I, can, yeah. you, can you think of anything else that, that gives you like an inventory of terms to use? I, I'm, I'm sure there are some out there. I'm, I doesn't Famicom Tante Club. Oh, it but might. that might be after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Famicom Detective Club. Sorry. Um, it came <laughs> out in 1988. So that would be right around. Wow. Right around then. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I know Portopia is like, you're just doing the same inputs repeatedly in the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe one of its follow-ups. I haven't played like, I know the Hokkaido one is getting a, a switch port soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. They just announced it in the Japanese direct. There's like a, a new port of the second. I think it's the second one. The one that's set in Hokkaido. Cool. Um, and they did that crappy ai uh oh yeah right right man what a what a monkey's paw terrible um Um, but yeah no i'm not sure i've actually i've been one of my little projects is getting into uh so i have a pc 98 here i don't have a i don't have an 88 i also have a pc 6000 which is the the computer platform that portopia initially launched on um but i'm still trying to get those get those going so i i haven't had too much time to play you know, I, Jesus uh, or any of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, Snatcher, um, wait, Snatcher came out in 1988. Well, it all happened in 88. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Jesus, because I know Snatcher, Snatcher was a PC-88 game because Kojima played Jesus, the Enix game. Right. Uh, and I know that was a big deal. So Jesus might, but I, I cool. don't know. There we go. Look, like all things in life, it all comes back to good old Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I, I I got to go to Japan for the first time uh, a couple months ago. Oh man! And my one goal, the one purchase I knew I needed to make was I needed to find myself a PC ninety eight. Oh really? Boy, it's tough to find a PC ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> well the ones i've been getting are like prone to capacitor failure so like right. they're they're just they're just god awful uh, the one i'm working on right now it's like it's like heart surgery it's terrible did you get you got an as or a... ap2 so i have AP2, two ap2s yeah. the first wow. one was actually in pretty good shape and then the second one is like i'm gonna have to lift the chip and and clean yeah. under it um well hey if if you ever need to part with one, let uh, me I'm, know. I'm planning to. So yeah, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I was there there were some some ninety-eight to one models that I was specifically looking for. And I, I I found one in beep 
that was up in the 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 top corner facing yeah. away it was uh it was not on the floor and i asked the guy and he said no it's it's not ready they're they're refurbishing it and it, it's yeah, gonna but... be a while until yeah. it's ready to go but oh, uh yeah well, well, the one yeah. thing i wanted to find but I will I will let you know when it's when it's work. It kind of works, but um, it can play Toho. So if all you want to do is play Toho, you're set. But yeah, uh, it's uh, it's not super close to the top of the list. I've yeah, got, no. I've got uh, I, I've I've got some some uh, you know art software and stuff that I I really want to try out. Yeah, um, yeah. they're cool machines. They're very cool machines. I I love them. Uh, what were we talking about? Final Fantasy 2, I think. Final Fantasy 2. Yeah. Did uh, not get a PC-98 port. Did it get an MSX port? Oh, I don't know. Um, I know Final Fantasy 1 did. Yeah. Um, family computer, no. Wow. It did not get a, it did not get an MSX port, so. Um, oh, I, I wanted to say that, that the, um, Part of the the keyword thing, I guess, to to a, a, a Western audience or or people with backgrounds in like Western games and like text adventures and things, it it does sort of feel like an abstraction of of a parser. You yeah, know? like there there is that element to it that that really feels like you aren't just pushing a button; you are actively choosing language with which to engage with the NPCs, which. I, I think is is does does a lot as far as um, you know making give, giving some giving some texture to to your interactions that that don't just feel uh, rote. Yeah. Um, uh, I also I do want to bring up that the game has a cold open. Uh, yeah, that I yeah. think is is really cool. It's so good. That's great. Yeah, you're it's it's in media res. You are in a battle. Um, it 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 doesn't hold your hand. You start out in a fight, uh, a fight that you lose. You have to and lose then yeah. end up recruited by this this team of rebels. Um, it really feels like a statement of intent, and so yeah. much is like. Okay, now RPG battles are a, like a vehicle for theater. Yeah. So the first one is sort of a ruse, or it's like a it's a it's a put on, right? It's not a real battle that you can win. Yeah. Right. So now now they're no longer just a do good do good at this. Now yeah. it's like okay, these are going to be a storytelling vehicle, right? And then yeah. that's that's its own sort of set yeah. of reckonings that the game tries to come to. Which you know then four takes to to the extreme right. and, and, and to, to, to many other levels. But yeah, absolutely. This, I wonder, Ooh, I would love to trace back. What is, what is the first, um, unwinnable RPG oh, battle? That's, that's probably, uh, that's ah, probably a dragon quest or something. There's gotta be a dragon quest. Well, no, not in one or two. Yeah. Maybe in three, but I, that would be the only one that would come to mind. Um, uh, no, Megami Tensei Two was later. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not sure. Right. There's probably some like 98 or 88 game. There's probably some Falcom or something that. Sure. Like the Black Onyx. Um, uh, 
mentioning SMT reminds me that I I, I do kind of want to talk about the 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 dungeon and map layout of mm-hmm. two because it does feel like they are still in sort of maze like dungeon crawler headspace. Um, you know, the a lot of the dungeons are sort of sprawling. There are a lot of like symmetrical, go try this door. Mm, nothing there. Mm, go try this door. You know, right. sort of walk down wrong paths until you find the right one sort of thing, which is is something that I think also sort of rubs people the wrong way. Like you say, if they are expecting a certain thing, yeah, then, then FF2 does not have that. I, I can't, I can't relate to this as somebody who, like I said, I started with three, I play Megaton, but like, I'm sure if your exposure to this format was seven, any game that's like, okay, walking around is a resource bleed. You're spending a potential resource by taking a step in the event that a, a fight and encounter will happen. Do like the tension is there if you're, you know, if you're playing seven or four and you're like, well, okay, dungeons are like a really constrained possibility space with like a couple doors, the puzzles are not ever going to be very difficult, like very complicated to figure out. And it's just kind of get through it successfully. I'm sure something like two or five or 12, where it's like, okay, this huge dense sprawl, if you need to draw it out on a piece of paper, and take multiple treks into it. That's sort of the give and take here. I'm sure that's that's difficult to acclimate to. Sure, um, but I, I think I think with the the advent of of things like Etrian Odyssey and yeah. and, and games, you know, I, I think people have warmed up to. It, it, it's kind of swung back around and people are kind of into a dungeon crawl. They, they yeah. are into a, an experience that has that sort of tension. And I'm sure, and there were, I mean, people played fantasy star when it came out. So yeah. those kind of sickos were, were everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That game's tough. Thank God for that, that, uh, Sega ages port or whatever yeah. on the switch that has the map and I, the, I, one day I'm going to yeah. finish. But the same. It's it's oh my god. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like playing Nocturne five times in like <laughs> symmetrically. It's yeah. terrible. It's just... Yeah, let's. I I want to I want to get into some 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 direct references that that fourteen pulls from too. Now, there aren't as many as there are for other games. But... Oh, before we do this, I do hmm, want to say yeah, yeah. it has the best battle theme of any final fantasy ever it's fantastic it's the best and one it gets reused in ff14 i know it's one of my it's favorite so things about 14 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um uh yeah it's the, so the ff2 battle theme pops up a fair bit it starts popping up in in a realm reborn um the tutorial it's, it's it's kind of yeah it's sort of a an upbeat Jazzy it's a little kind of thing. Jazzy and a little more jovial uh, than than the the FF two uh, version. Um, I, it kind of gets used a lot for slightly less tense, usually some comedic <laughs> combat. Like mm. if if uh, if there's if there's a fight that's particularly novel, they usually bring it out, which I think is is kind of interesting. Huh, that is um, interesting. 
but yeah, it, it pops up a fair bit. Um, I also look, uh, I'm, I'm guilty. Uh, I, I know a lot of people disagree with me. Minfilia is one of my favorite characters in 14. Um, and she really does take on a, a, a Hilda like role. Yeah. Um, she is the, the leader of this rebellion, this, this group that sort of exists outside of governmental bodies or, or nation state bodies and is, is, uh, acting at some points in, in the people's eye against their interests because they have, they have a bigger evil to upset. Um, and, uh, I like her a lot. And when you are first meeting with the scions, the code word that you are given to, to prove that you are, are one of them is wild rose. Um, that's really cute. I've yeah, completely forgotten I, about that. Yeah. I think it's a really, a really lovely little moment. That was, that was one of those first, first little drops where I, realized oh okay this this is going to be there's going to be subtle nods there are going to be not so subtle nods um but that there is a that there is a love for the the entire legacy of the series not just the ones that everybody has agreed are the the important ones right um we also get uh you can get Furion's gear um this uh i I believe it's from the achievement system where you get a a a currency um that you can exchange for certain gear that also includes the wild rose barding for your chocobo so your chocobo can dress up like furion you can dress up like furion um and you can also get the wind up furion minion which is very cute it's uh based (laughs) off of the uh the amano art Mm -hmm. of, of furion um just talking about Furion in general. Did you play much Dissidia? No, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably the thing that that got me into two. Really? Because um, I, 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 I think, I, I, yeah, I owned Dawn of Souls at that point, but I hadn't really felt compelled to play two yet. And then Dissidia kind of shows up and it really did the job that that Square Enix marketing wanted it to do, which was got me to decide, okay, I guess I should play all of these, huh? Um, and uh, yeah, he he gets some some good moments to shine. I think mechanically they sort of make him a, a jack of all trades. All of his specials involve using every different kind of weapon. You know, he always has a short sword on him, a dagger on him, a long sword, uh, an axe, like a hand axe. He's just sort of this guy who uh, I, I, I tend to like how Dissidia um, used game, used the mechanics of the earlier games to inform the characterization of those games protagonists where there might not have been as much characterization. Right. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And He's got some great alternate costumes and, and stuff like that. Also, the Emperor is very fun to play in Dissidia. He's he's very trap-based, uh, which is... Interesting. Kind of yeah, they, I, they've been making those games for so long, and I've always meant to check them out. Usually, Shantoto is the 11 rep, right? Yeah. 
So I'm I'm a little I'm a little heartbroken because in the the console one, Dissidia NT, which sort of they really tried to sort of make more esport than mm-hmm. than uh, you know arena action RPG whatever the first Dissidia was, right? Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Duodecum on the PSP has Shantoto, and then they added Prish. Oh, really? And her combat is super fun. It's all about skill chains and, oh, and comboing. Awesome. Yeah, she's she's your she's your monk, and Prish and is great. She's wonderful. Yeah. What a great game. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, that's my that's my plug for Dissidia. It's yeah. weird, and uh, check out Dissidia. Yeah, more more people should be going back and playing weird PSP games. It's just a general tip I have for you all. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been doing that recently. It's been Oh yeah. There's a really cool port of Brandish on there. Oh yeah. I love Brandish. I'm like one of the five people who loves Brandish. That's <sighs> the I... game where you your the camera's behind your guy and it's like a um top down view of a grid based dungeon. And as you turn the whole environment just snaps 90 degrees. Um, <laughs> if you play it on like the Super Famicom or something, it's like kind of disorienting until you get used to it. It's it's like right. really weird. Uh, there's a cool port of it on the PSP. Go check out cool. Brandish. That's my plug. There we go. Brandish. Good re- good recommendations so far. Look, I I started this episode by letting the audience know that you're one of the few people with good taste in video games, and and you've proven it. <laughs> Um, yeah, then honestly, Heavensward, Stormblood, we really don't get much FF2 at all. Um, uh, which, you know, is fine. Stormblood, Stormblood's got, got a bit of seven. They got a bit of six. Uh, Heavensward has a little bit of four here and there. Um, Shadowbringers. It's not until Shadowbringers where we get a very important contribution. The giant beavers. Now, in Final Fantasy II, there is a character named Guy. And he's sort of portrayed as the... He's the... He's the Lenny of, of, of FF2s of Mice and Men, sort of. Um, a lovable, big, big, uh, big, big oafish kind of heart of gold. Yeah. Um, and it is revealed partway through that he can, in fact, speak to animals. Uh, and, and, uh, some of your story progression, uh, is, uh, contingent on him communicating with a race of giant beavers. That's pretty great. I might have to get that minion when I play again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's incredible. It's like a little vampire gerbil. It's great. They um they, they 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 have played up um their menacing nature a bit in 14. You've you've got a bit of some a bit of uh you know, Monty Python mm-hmm. uh, uh rabbit stuff going yeah. on in there um that your mileage will vary on that <laughs> whether that comedy lands 
14's comedy is always weird because there's so much of it that's (laughs) delivered through text and so it's like yeah yeah you can get a little bit of of tonal whiplash in in 14 depending on where you happen to be exploring yeah totally um and then i think the biggest one is in endwalker we get the pandemonium raid series now initially uh we were just given the name pandemonium Mm. and and i i mistakenly assumed that it would be some some real direct references to ff2 because Mm -hmm. our main villain we were given the title and key art of our main villain, La Habrea. And, and La Habrea, of course, is, is a, an enemy we vanquish at the end of A Realm Reborn. Yeah. Uh, so I sort of assumed, oh, okay, La Habrea, we, we sent him to hell and now he's coming back. <laughs> um, because, uh, well, let, let, let's go into FF2's big plot twist, because this is something I like talking about, too, is all the different ways that, that early Final Fantasy games uh, pull, pull the rug out from under you at the end and, yeah. and give, give you those weird last bosses. Um, so our, our, our main villain, Emperor, what do, you, what do you call the main villain in FF2? What do you think his name is? I just, I just call him the Emperor. Okay, I get conflicting information. Really? I had I had always called him Mateus. Uh Mateus. And I maybe I don't know where I got that from, but I feel like it was maybe a Dawn of Souls thing. It might have been. I think his full name is Emperor Mateus Palamesia. Yeah, he is his last yeah, his name is Palamesia. Um I'm not sure where the Mateus thing. Yeah, I'm see. Yeah, people do call him Mateus. That's because I haven't played Dawn of Souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been like maybe 15 years since I I played Dawn of Souls. Um, but yeah, in any official capacity, they just refer to him as the Emperor. Did you, um? Did you get through the the Stranger of Paradise DLC? So I I really love Dark Souls and I really love Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. And I cannot get into Team Ninja's Dark Souls likes. I've tried really? so many times. I'm going to try again with Rise of the Ronin. Um Yeah. But you know, I haven't I haven't gotten very far in Stranger of Paradise unfortunately. I I really want to cuz there's like a whole um you go to uh what's it called the tower, um Delkfoot Delkfoot's Tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I keep meaning to, but I haven't. It's it's a it's a cool game. It's weird. <laughs> it seems wild. It seems wild, yeah. but it's got a it's got a Gilgamesh fight, so I have to I have to play yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, a Gilgamesh fight that that occurs in the DLC where they added Blue Mage, and Blue Mage is my if if you've got a Blue Mage in your game, I'm. Um, I'm playing it and and they're my favorite character except Kamari. <laughs> um that's awesome. But uh yeah, so our our villain emperor Mateus Palamesia at some point in the game we vanquish him. Then a little later on uh we discover that in killing him we sent him to hell. But he was so evil that he took over hell. 
and has used that as an opportunity to come back to fight us again. Um, so, so for this, this FF 14 raid series, I sort of assumed, oh, it's pandemonium. It's a guy we've fought before. He has come back from hell and he's going to fight us again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they sort of, they flip that. Um, it's actually, it becomes more of an origin story for this, this villain. Huh. And, uh, it um i i'm a big fan of the soul of rebirth storyline did you did you play that at all or or get to no i haven't so the the crux of it is that you get to play as all of the characters that died during the main story of ff2 and you experience their time in the afterlife and how they sort of they sort of uh, assist you from the other side oh, by that's awesome. by vanquishing another version of the emperor. So here, huh. here's here's where FF2 retroactively really sets the stage for the rest of Final Fantasy because <laughs> uh, uh, when when the emperor gets sent to hell, mm -hmm. he gets split into his. Um, his evil chaos incarnate form mm -hmm. that is the form that takes over and gets sent back to to fight your party but the other part of him is the uh it's not his good side but it's his like if if one side of him is chaos then this side is control uh and, and oh, okay and he becomes sort of an angelic entity um and he he initially talks to your your dead party members by saying look i get that that was all the bad me stuff this is the good me because i'm going to welcome you into my benevolent perfect paradise uh -huh. um and then the party decides oh no you're just as controlling a dick as your your chaos side so we need to kill you too um <laughs> wow which it which is, is really some, Megami Tensei. that is some smt stuff yeah <laughs> that is the nocturne absolutely um that's awesome is this the game boy advance yeah so this is this is the soul of rebirth stuff that is in the gba version it is not in the pixel remaster version yeah yeah they the pixel remasters are just like bare bones or not yeah the, the base game as they first yeah. released i i sort of appreciate that but um yeah yeah i i can too that sounds really cool though so it is really cool i like it a lot um and 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 like i say that that really sets the stage for the the history of of attacking and dethroning god that that final fantasy really likes to to come back to and, yeah. and you know jrpgs in general like you say smt that's that that's smt it's the raison d'oeuvre yeah yeah absolutely um so so that part of the the raid series in in 14 actually kind of gets flipped a little bit and and you do sort of end up seeing this we we actually sort of get two different dichotomies of of our villain you see the two sides of him but then you also see him and his relationship with his wife oh wow which is also really interesting and uh they they sort of develop into these two opposing forces 
that I feel like really represent what the emperor turns into. Hmm. Um, so it, it ended up being more of a thematic tie to the villain of two rather than direct references. Um, and uh, one of the bosses in Pandemonium uses Ultima and they specifically pull the animation of Ultima from two where, you know, usually Ultima, you get that, that blue explosion, yeah. that sort of like sphere uh, where this is the, the red ray with the particle effects. And it's uh, yeah, little, little nods to two here and there. That's really cute. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I will say as somebody who I haven't played a lot of 14 and the 14 I played was early on. One thing I mm -hmm. really appreciated about 16, which I have, very conflicting feelings about <laughs> sure. uh, was all the little nods, all the little suggestions of, you know, at the beginning of the dragoon jumps up in front of the moon, like the FF4 logo yeah. and all that, like just the, the way that it sort of weaves all these little suggestions of the other final fantasies. I, I do think that that is, it does sort of communicate a kind of wholeness to this series and a sort of, there's a continuity and, and an appreciation of everything that came before that I think is, Somewhat yeah. unique to Final Fantasy. The Dragon yeah. Quest Eleven has a bunch of dungeons that refer to the other ones too. So, right, right. Um, I wonder. So, I wonder if if part part of what might I I I, I understand the conflicting feelings uh, about you know fourteen and sixteen, and I wonder if. Because Kazutoyo, my hero, was the writer for 16 and for A Realm Reborn and Heaven's Word. Oh, interesting. I wonder if once you sort of push past that, if if you might find some stuff that, that resonates with you a little more. Because huh. um, I, I think he he is definitely good parts of both of those games and he is also some rough spots of both of those games yeah yeah um, i'm looking at his credits now and it's like he's done a lot of really good systems work that i like a lot but yeah across the board the writing is just not yeah stuff i'm into He's also, he, he, huh. he did some interesting stuff. Um, uh, I think he did some of the, the sound novels, the secret sound novels in FF Tactics. Really? Which I think are really cool. Yeah. I, I love those things. And the fact that we don't have them in any English version is, is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, it's unbearable. It's, yeah. There's not a YouTube video or anything that... Um, so my favorite one is Oiver. Mm. I, I, I actually talked about it at length in an episode I did like uh, two years ago, maybe that is, uh, that gets referenced in 14 because of the summoner's relic weapon from ARR. Oh, really? Um, it's, it's a, I weave a tangled web of connections, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, th there is a, there is a playable version that someone made, I think just in HTML, that gets across all of the dialogue choices and the story of yeah, it. Yeah, I it's, know what you're talking a, about. Yeah, it's a cool, weird, like French 
uh, a political noir drama um, that has a bunch of different endings. Uh, it's it's oh, like it's awesome. like a little mini radical dreamers yeah, in your yeah. tactics. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, though. I yeah, that that does make me curious if if from Stormblood onwards, it sort of starts to make more sense for me. Yeah, I, I don't know who wrote those, but for, uh, I'll say that from Stormblood on, uh, a lot of our female characters get treated a little better. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I love I love when a female character is introduced, and I'm like, well, better not get too attached. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, four raiders. That's for Stormblood? Yeah, for Stormblood there were four. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that it'll it'll hit for you, oh, but sure. it's uh yeah, there there is a common thread in some of the things that I, I find people dislike about ARR Heavensward and and 16. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um and honestly, that's kind of it from from what I could dig up as far as direct FF2 stuff in 14 goes. But I do want to mention that for Dawn Trail at PAX East in 2023, there was a Q&A with Yoshi P. And at this Q&A, he did answer my question. Oh, wow. Which was uh, what... what Final Fantasies, do you want to pull from more that maybe haven't been as represented in 14? And I believe the first one he brought up was two. Really? Uh, And he also mentioned 11 and nine. Nine. That, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so some of this Dawn Trail stuff, I, I don't know if you've seen much of it, but there are some very, very direct references to nine and then of course 11 we we have the mamulja in in uh the the new map areas yeah. as well as the echoes of vanadiel uh, raid series so exciting so yeah we've seen some of this nine we've seen some of this 11 and he mentioned two so hopefully we'll we'll maybe be seeing a little bit more of that that would once. be really cool yeah. He's definitely um, he's got good taste. I Yoshi P's definitely got a good yeah. sense of what's good about Final Fantasy over the long run. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of weird conspiracy theorizing amongst Final Fantasy eleven players that Yoshi P has it out for for Final Fantasy eleven. But that's Really? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. People really think he like wants to kill the game or something. It's like he's that's the guy who signs the checks, so he clearly yeah. doesn't want to kill the game. Yeah. <laughs> or it would be dead. Um, yeah. No, he said that they would like they. I don't know if this is still potentially on the table, but they. He said in an interview that you can watch that they have discussed cloud servers as a potential avenue to like. Okay, we're done developing Final Fantasy XI, but we would like to keep this available. Right. Obviously, they haven't. They're still making. They're still developing Final Fantasy XI. Don't let. Don't let anybody yeah. tell you otherwise. But yeah. not they're not doing it very much development, but um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he said before that like they would they've thought about just like cloud like running a virtualized server just to like huh. have a place to log into, even if yeah. they stopped development. I don't know if that wow. is gonna happen. He wasn't saying that it would, but 
yeah, he doesn't strike me as a guy who who dislikes eleven. Um, it seems like the fourteen no. team in general really really has a lot of reverence for it. Sure, I I think part of that is because a lot of them worked on eleven. Yeah, you know? I, yeah. I think yeah. I uh, did. Did you play much of uh, Seekers of Adulin? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's actually. Yeah. I was going through the um the uh what's it called the last uh melodies of vanadil memories of Vill- the uh, rhapsodies um, rhapsodies yeah. thank you rhapsodies yeah. of vanadil I was going through that and um when I reached the uh Adelin area it was like oh my god wow it's a Final Fantasy fourteen area it's like really <laughs> striking how much it feels yeah. like a modern space like yeah. created in eleven it's it's compared to like Sandoria which sort of feels more like they tried to make a believable castle town. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a verisimilitude there that like modern MMO spaces don't necessarily have cause they're more functional, but yeah. playing, seeing Audelin and seeing like the way it's laid out and the way things are trying to square both circles at the same time. It was, yeah. it's really fascinating. Even down to just having the, the teleportation points around the city. Yeah. Uh, feels, feels very 2.0 and on. Um, there, there's a lot of of seekers design that that absolutely feels like like them and the the 14 team were just sharing notes yeah um well even, and Adelin even was some... like an apology for 1.0 right it was like yeah 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 it was like, like here, oh, here's, here's something yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i'm i'm still waiting for that uh that uh subscription bundle uh, yeah i, I it's uh was it uh matsui p somebody somebody said they would think about it yeah yeah i because um, i would i would subscribe to both i mean i'll i'll subscribe to final fantasy 11 until i'm dead in the ground but oh sure um i would subscribe like i wouldn't like passively subscribe to 14 the way i passively subscribe to 11 but sure if there was yeah. a bundle i would absolutely yeah yeah like, even even as an avid 14 player i'm i'm unsubscribed for mm-hmm. i don't know maybe a total of two or three months out of the year you know i i i definitely leave it for a few weeks i let the subscription lapse for a little while get around to some other stuff yeah um but it it would be very be very compelling to just have it all in a little bundle i wonder I, if play um, online is a is an impediment I think it. I think it is. Yeah. I, I think so. Which is too bad because that's half of the experience, right there. It's it's a treasure. Yeah, <laughs> I love it's that wonderful. thing so much. <laughs> I bought the um the soundtrack CD. It's the what is it? Final Fantasy Eleven original soundtrack plus that's the got plus. dolphin and everything on it. Oh, yeah, God. it's so good. <laughs> Me too. I got. I got. That's one of. That was one of my pickups in Japan. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I once I knew they had those in CD quality audio. I was like, I need to have. I need to have this. Yeah, those are super fun. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about two that we that we didn't quite get to? I, I feel like you know, it's it's adventure game roots are important. I think I think the the kawazu of it all is important. I think it 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 sets a tone for the mm-hmm. series that is often overlooked. Um, yeah. Um... Nothing else really comes to mind. I yeah, I think I do think it's uh there there are definitely Final Fantasy games that I would rather play. Um sure. but there are also Final Fantasy games that you couldn't pay me to play. 
<laughs> in lieu of two. Like I, I would, I would opt for two before 15, uh, you know? Sure. Like, I think it's got just, I'm a big fan increasingly of the, the minimal, um, the minimal narrative approach of these early, these Famicom games, the way they yeah. do so much expression with so little. And I think that two might just represent the apex of that. Yeah. Uh, it, at least from one angle, I, I think it is some, some of the most like emotional storytelling in a video game up to that point. I think it's, 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 it feels genuine and it feels like an, an attempt to really, to really do something, to wring something expressive out of these game systems in a way that you just didn't see. Yeah. yeah and, it, you I, know, if you don't like that you can punch your buddies, don't punch your buddies. You don't have to do it. Yeah. You do. You don't have to do it. It's like you don't have to grind yeah. in any game if you don't want to. Just figure oh, yeah. out a different strategy. It's, it's yeah, um, grinding's yeah. a whole thing. That's, that's all been, uh, it's all been memefied and blown out of proportion and and, and and um yeah i i think uh i think like you say uh you know context is important for appreciating too and also like you say going in and expecting a kind of game that it isn't you know yeah there's i i'm 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 really jumping on the side of descriptive game analysis as opposed to prescriptive right. game analysis. Yeah. And and I think 2 is a, a really good example of that. Um, like you say, if you're expecting FF7 on uh, NES, then you are not going to get that there. You're, you're getting a very different kind of game from a different kind of design philosophy. Right. Um, but then also... Not necessarily that different because, you know, we've got, you know, materia is weird and, and there are, yeah, you know, I, a, I, a, 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 a through line of Final Fantasy is that it's going to give you weird systems to play with. Yeah, um, I, I think that I, we over, I think we underserve that part of it, the systems part of it so yeah. often when we talk about, I mean, you know, FF7 Rebirth is about to come out and it, it's all narrative everybody's excited about what that's doing with narrative, but like, yeah. and I am too, but like I, so much of what is interesting about final fantasy is in the systems. Yeah. Um, if five is another one, five, I think five and two are kindred spirits in a lot of ways where five gets the way people talk about five is like, well, it's a step back from four and six. It's the weird one. Cause it's not yeah, full on yeah. balls to the wall, star Wars, loud <laughs> yeah. cutscenes, moment, you know, and it's like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's doing its own thing and its own expression. And I think that that, you know, I would prefer a Final Fantasy that makes room for that more often nowadays, yeah. right? I, I I definitely find myself preferring games with more friction than not. Yeah. Um, and, and I think FF2 is a game that provides some some really cool, interesting friction. Um, and, and which I think... It is still found in in stuff like seven. I just I'm I'm doing my hard mode playthrough of of seven remake right now, and I'm finding that to be a blast mechanically. Yeah, um, I've really been wanting to go back and play seven on hard because I I yeah. really loved the combat in that game, and I found it too easy on normal. 
Yeah, being forced to really, really think about your materia and and really, really think about your ATB usage makes that, you know, it 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 brings that back to a time where where the the main campaign of a Final Fantasy wasn't afraid to to let you fail and flounder a little bit or 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 bark up the wrong tree as far as where you decide to put some resources. Um, and then you have to back up and rethink and, and reapproach from a different from a different angle. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Final Fantasy two in a nutshell. It's it's pretty good. Don't let him don't let him tell you otherwise. Yeah, don't let Jeremy Parrish tell you. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna razz him so hard for that. I'm gonna write an email. Know? <laughs> right at, right after we're done, I'm gonna write an email. <laughs> Uh, I, I believe, um, look, I'm going to put some people on blast. I believe the the writer for Kotaku's list was also a friend of the show, Kenneth Shepard. So, oh, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, you've all got some explaining to do. Everybody's letting us uh, down. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I hope this has helped you, listener, appreciate some of the allusions to ff2 that pop up in 14 though though some of the direct references are a little sparse um there 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 really are some some thematic things that that stand out a lot um thank you krista so much for being here i I really appreciate you being a guest of course this episode i i knew uh if if i didn't have you on it was going to be a very very different kind of episode so i appreciate having your your, your passion for these weird, weird games. Well, thank you for having me. This is awesome. And I, I, is I it... will update you on, on my 14 adventures and how those go. Thank you. Yeah. And hey, if, if you, if you need a, if you need a buddy through Eureka or, oh yeah, absolutely. Bosia, let me know. Um, and, and let me know about that PC 98 too. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything you want to, you want to plug before, before we head out? Um, not well, uh, Sheer and the Wanderer six just came out, um, yeah. and you should buy it. <laughs> uh, Unicorn Overlords coming out in a week and you should buy that. As for me, not really. Um, you know, you can, uh, I do video work with action button. You can, and if you listen to this probably have, I'm going to guess, watch, uh, Tim's videos on YouTube and various other places. Uh, yeah. I do video game repair and modding. If you have a old Sega Saturn that's not outputting video, you can go to soundretro.co, soundretroco, and you know, send me an email there. I'm on Twitter at uh, opoorpup, and that's pretty much it. I need to stream. It's, an, it's a constant thing. I've been telling myself for years that I need to start streaming Final Fantasy XI, but oh, yeah. I, keep, I keep not doing it. So I need to make time, but I, I keep trying to figure out how to, we, we do a, we do a monthly game club for acts of the blood God that, that, uh, we, we have listeners vote on, on four nominees and I'm really trying to figure out how I can stack that ballot. So FF 11 wins. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And, and if you, you know, play retail 14 day free trial like everybody can if you uh, that's if you really really go at retail and you really get those trusts going i think you could probably beat it in 14 days if you didn't yeah. sleep yeah yeah <laughs> at, at least at least you know up through 
Zillart or whatever, uh, you can get a you can get a good feel for what some of the some of some of retail has to offer. Uh, also, hey, go go check out uh, Krista's Bandcamp. Listen to Welcome to the Fantasy Zone. It's a really good album. I love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, oporpup.bandcamp.com. Uh, thank you so much again for being my guest. Uh, of course, I thank you. Will uh, I'll let you know when we have that eleven episode? Not that we didn't talk plenty about eleven on this episode that was ostensibly about FF two. Um, if you if you write it, um, if you write eleven uh, in Roman numerals, it doesn't that doesn't work. But um, <laughs> two, <laughs> this isn't working. But <laughs> you, you know, you get it. Yeah. Totally, I, I get where you're. I get where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. If if the two, yeah, in, yeah. If if they fall over, well, one plus make, one is two, yeah. and eleven is is two ones. So yeah, you, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I I will see you all next week on the next episode of Charlene. No, I won't see you all. Next week is a paid episode, so I'll see you. I'll see all of you who are giving me money next week, <laughs> and the rest of you in two weeks. Um, but until then, I will sign off with what I say at the end of every episode. We do not know, but we do speak beaver. <laughs>